welcome to the Whole Life Healing Podcast with Dr. Alexander Lloyd, best-selling author and founder of the Revolutionary Healing Codes Technique. Each week, Dr. Alex shares principles and methods from psychology, energy medicine, natural medicine, and spirituality to help you reduce stress, heal emotional and physical issues, and remove the barriers that hold you back from happiness and success. Join us as we learn to live our happiest, healthiest, and most successful lives. Here's Dr. Alex. Hi, Dr. Alex here. If you like the show today or any day, I would love it if you took about 10 seconds to go to iTunes and leave a review for the show. I've been doing this for about 14 years now, and I spend hundreds of hours every year in preparation and recording the show. And if you like it, if it's worth your time, if you think it might benefit others, I would love it if you could leave a review to recommend to your friends or just recommend it to your friends that could benefit from listening to the show. Thank you so very much. Since we are going to be talking about issues of health and well-being, we wanted to make sure that you understand that this information is not intended to cure or heal anything. Everything in the presentations is the opinion of Alex Lloyd. You should always check with a licensed healthcare provider about any specific health concern you may have. Hi, I'm Dr. Alex Lloyd, and welcome to The New Jesus. Um, I want to talk about something today, in hopefully 15 minutes or less, that was absolutely life-changing for me. Uh, I've never heard a preacher preach on it. I've never heard it taught in a Bible school class. Um, that doesn't mean it has been. Probably has been. Means All that means is it's new to me. may not be new to you, but it's new to me. But I never heard this before, and I was reading scripture, came across this, was praying, and had some thoughts about it that I'd never had before. Uh, dug into scripture, dug into some commentaries, asked a couple of people who are scholars, I'm not, and uh, what I ended up with is what I'm about to share today. So here it is. It's from 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9, which I'll read in a second. But here's my question for you today that I'm going to start with and leave you with in just a few minutes. Would God rather you sin than to not learn fill in the blank? Which I'm going to tell you in a minute. Would God rather you sin than to not learn this? Is that possible? I mean, the, the reason this is so... Um, hard to believe for me is that I, the way I grew up in a, a strict legalistic church and the school was sort of, uh, it was a Christian school, so its theology was sort of the same as the church, and then my family theology was the same as both of those. Even though my parents were less strict than the school or the church, they were still pretty strict by today's standards and I grew up being taught it's all about sin. It's all about sin. Sin is what determines whether you go to heaven or hell. Sin is where disease comes from. I think sometimes that's true, but sometimes it's not. Okay? 
Uh, sin is what makes you unhappy. Sin is what messes up other people. Sin is what causes harm. Sin is what the wages of sin is death. Um, oh man, it's it's everywhere, and 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 it's all through Scripture. And what I grew up being taught is it's all about sin. Now I don't mean that simplistically. Of course, it's all about God. It's all about Jesus. It's all about forgiveness. It's all about but. I understand that, and I was taught that too. But the emphasis was sin, always. Do this, don't do that. And if you do the right stuff and don't do the wrong stuff, you'll have a great life, you'll probably be pretty healthy, and you'll go to heaven when this is all over. So, in a nutshell, that's what it's all about. Well, today I believe, ladies and gentlemen, baloney, that's, all, that's what it's all about. It's almost the opposite of what it's about. The way I read Scripture, especially the New Testament, today. So let's take a look at that. All right. First of all, let me read. Um, and i got to get my glasses. Sorry about that. Should have already had them. 2 Corinthians 12, and I'm going to start in verse 7. And, but before I do, this is written by the Apostle Paul in about A.D. 56. Okay, Paul was converted at 30 years of age, the road to Damascus thing. He died at 60 years of age, and 2 Corinthians was written when Paul was about 52. So closer to the end of his life, he, he's got mileage on him now. He's got experience. He's not a young believer anymore. He's not wet behind the ears. He's experienced and, and seasoned now. Okay, so that's where he is in his life as he shares this, okay? Uh, so now, let me read uh, 2 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 7. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassing great revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. It didn't just happen. It was given to him on purpose, right? Not by God, by Satan. A messenger of Satan, it says. All right? So this didn't just happen. This was done to him. He didn't do it. It was done to him. Okay. Um, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Wow, strong language. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. All right, let's stop there for now. We're going to pick it up there um, in the second part of verse 9, but not yet. All right, so let's take a look at this. He was given by Satan, Satan's messenger or Satan, a thorn, something that hurt, in his flesh, and we know it hurt because he said, it tormented me. I mean, that's not just pain. That's big pain, right? I mean, what in your life would you say that about? This has not just been a pain. This has tormented me. Wow, that's pretty big, all right? Uh, and it tormented Paul, as best we can tell, by context and looking at some supporting scriptures earlier in that chapter as well. For 14 years, 
This thorn in the flesh had been tormenting Paul, it seems, for 14 years. And during those 14 years, he asked God three times, Please, Father, take it away. All three times God said, no. Does God say, I can't? Of course not. He can do anything. Does God say it's not best for you? Yes, he does. That's what he says. We just read it, okay? My grace is sufficient for you, all right? You need to learn something here, Paul, and you're going to learn it through the pain, all right? So what was Paul's thorn in the flesh? Some people think it was sin. Uh, lusting, I've heard that. Uh, some people think Paul might have been gay. Um, I don't know, but several opinions. Google it yourself. Some people think it was sin. Some people think it was sickness, especially bad eyesight. Um, some people think it was opposition and resistance to the work that he was trying to do. Okay? So what was it? We don't know. But guess what? It doesn't matter. Because if it was sin, then what Paul's experience is, is guilt and shame. All right? If it's sickness, Paul's experiencing pain and fear about the sickness. Oh man, this might kill me. As opposed to faith in God, Father, your will be done. I will not fear because you are with me. All right? But if, no, but if I take my eyes off of God and I do fear because of this circumstance in my life, that is a lack of faith, right? That is a lack of belief in God and what and God's promises in Scripture. All right. So if it's sickness, it's pain and fear, but that's that can still be sinful because it's selfishness and focused on me and what I want and don't want instead of the greatness and goodness and faith in God to do whatever His will is about this sickness. Okay. So the sickness could very well also be sin. If it's opposition, Paul's probably experiencing anger or something in the anger family. Irritation, frustration, resentment, bitterness. So that is sin. So it doesn't matter which it is. No matter which one it is, it was probably still an issue of sin. And the way we can put the exclamation point on that is the thorn is in the flesh, right? Well, in Scripture, 100% of the time, the flesh is the source of sin. That's what it does. That's what the flesh does. It offsets our choice of love because love requires a choice. And the choice is fear or selfishness or what I want or a focus on what's not working for me the way I want it to work which would be any of these three, okay? So the flesh is the source of sin. So probably no matter what this thorn is for Paul, it's sin. Okay, and God says, no, I will not take it away. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is all you need, okay? God's power, and, and this is it, this is further down. Let me, let me go back to 2 Corinthians 7. I'm sorry, 12. 
now I'm picking up verse 7, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. That's God. My power, God's power is made perfect in weakness and this thorn is making Paul weaker. It's tormenting him, making him weaker. But God says, hey, it's really a good thing because my power is made perfect in Paul's weakness and in yours and in mine. All right? Um, so God's power, grace, and that's one of the definitions of grace. There's really two definitions. One is unmerited favor. The other one is God's power to accomplish His will of whatever that thing is. Okay? Those are the two. Okay? So God's power and grace are made perfect in weakness. Well, where else have we heard that perfect? Let's go to Matthew 5. The Beatitudes, most famous sermon ever preached. Jesus, where He's saying, Blessed are the are they, they who mourn. Blessed are they who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are... Well, the word blessed means happy, but every one of those pretty much is something we would not think of as happy. In fact, we would probably think of it as more the opposite of happy. But God says, hey, this is my kind of happiness. You are blessed when... Well, how in the world could that be? Well, Jesus goes on in the Matthew 5 Beatitudes. After, the, after all the blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, then what does Jesus say? All right? He's not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. All right? And you have heard it's wrong to divorce someone unless you have a signed document for that. It's wrong to commit adultery. But Jesus said, I'm here to tell you if you do any of those sins in your heart, you've done them. Oh my goodness! That takes sin to a whole nother level. It's not just what you do, it's what you think. And that's why we're supposed to take every thought captive. Okay? So, at the bottom of the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, what does Jesus say? After all of that, now it's not only wrong if you do it, it's wrong if you think it and don't take the thought captive but keep participating with it and imagining doing the sin, then you've done it. Well, how long does it take for me to not take it captive and think about it before it turns a sin, to a sin? Is it five seconds? Is it five minutes? Is it, we don't know. It's a, that's a matter of the heart, okay? But I believe you'll feel it when you know you've gone too far and crossed that line. I believe you'll feel it. So immediately take the thought captive. But at the bottom of all of that, Jesus says, so therefore... Be perfect. Okay, right. Yeah, I'll just start that right after lunch, being perfect. Thanks for the advice. I, I'll, I'll do it right after. <laughs> be perfect? Really? But wait a minute. Be perfect God's way, 
probably not the way you're thinking or I thought for most of my life. So let's look at that. Now we go to James 1 and that passage that everybody hates. I, I hated it growing up. I don't like to say the word hate, but if there's one that I do hate, not now, but growing up, this was probably it. It's the one, count it all joy when all these terrible, painful, suffering, sickness, disease, uh, people being mean to you, whatever. Count it as joy when that happens. Well, how in the world am I supposed to do that? Because I know that God is using it just like he used Paul's thorn in the flesh to make his power perfect in me. But it's more than that. Back to James 1. Why should I count it as joy when all these negative, painful things happen? Because the trials will lead to joy if you give it to God and handle it God's way. That will lead to the testing of your faith. The testing of your faith will lead to perseverance. The perseverance will lead to, you want to guess? the perfect version of you. It matches Jesus and Matthew 5. Be perfect. Well, in James, Paul says, this is what makes you perfect God's way. Okay? Let's go a little farther in James 1. A little farther down. If you need wisdom, ask and it will be given. Like Solomon. That's pretty cool, right? You need wisdom, ask, God's going to give it to you. If I need wisdom, ask God's... If I'm in a situation, don't know what to do, Father, please give me wisdom to know your path here, okay? But, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's not all of it. If you need wisdom, ask, but... There's a but. You must believe and not doubt. If you doubt, don't expect anything. You are double-minded, meaning you're trying to live with one foot here and one foot here. One foot in what I want and one foot in trying to be right with God so that I don't go to hell and go to heaven. That's, you can't do that. That's the passage, does sweet and bitter water come from the same source? No, it cannot happen. Okay? So, if you're in a trying situation and you ask for wisdom but you really don't believe God's going to do anything, according to Scripture, that's the definition of you being double-minded or just not believing enough. And, and, and faith is the fruit of the Spirit, so it comes from God. It's not you conjuring up belief in faith. It's you, uh, as my mentor said one day, you discover yourself one day believing. You discover yourself believing. Not effort, okay? It comes from God. But if you ask for wisdom and it doesn't come, scripturally, you're double-minded, all right? The definition of grace, we talked about that. Unmerited favor or God's power to do his will to create the perfect Paul, the perfect you, the perfect me. Well, would you rather have the perfect you or... A 50% version of your life. The perfect you or a 75% version. The perfect you or a 99% version. 
No matter what it is, we'd rather have the perfect version of ourselves and our marriage and our family and our life and our career. Well, this is how you get it. By giving it to God. And when the pain comes, when the thorn in your flesh comes, whether it's sin, sickness, uh, opposition to what you want in your life, to understand that's to be given to God and that the pain is a good thing. The pain is an opportunity to go up to the next level in your life when God uses that pain to make you a little bit more perfect. Okay? Um, the purpose of the thorn, it says, for Paul, I read it, was so that he wouldn't become conceited. It was for humility. The purpose was for humility. That's what C.S. Lewis says in the screw tape letters is Satan's biggest enemy. In the screw tape letters, uh, Satan is saying to one of his demons, whatever you do, don't let them develop humility. If they develop humility, we've lost them. Okay? So that's the point of the thorn and the pain is humility. God's power to create the perfect Paul. All right? Uh, verse 10. So now, that this is verse 10 from uh, 2 Corinthians 12. All right. So Paul says, now, not then, then he was probably he was upset by the thorn, asked three times to take it away over 14 years. But now, in the scripture, Paul delights in pain. Why? Because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Because God makes his power perfect in our weakness, not in our strength. In our belief, not in our works. Salvation is not of works, lest anyone should boast. It is of grace, 100%. Okay. So the flesh, where we started up here, the thorn in the flesh, is the source of all sin. Grace is God's solution to sin. So, we learn and receive God's solution to our problems through sin. That's unbelievable, right? Because I grew up being told sin is the horrible thing that we should be focused on. No. Scripture indicates God knew way in advance. The lamb slain before the foundations of the world. Okay? God knew before he ever started any of this that we could not do it right. Okay? The purpose of the old law, scripturally, Paul said this, was so that sin would increase. Unbelievable! Who does that? The purpose of the law was so that sin would increase. Why? Because we receive God's solution to our pain, our problems, and therefore our life through sin and what we learn from it and God using your sin and giving it to Him and the pain from that, James 1, to create the perfect you. So I believe the way I grew up was completely wrong. 
It's not all about sin. We're not supposed to be focused on sin. We're supposed to be focused on Jesus and the magnificent, unbelievable, almost impossible to believe with our rational, left-brain, human minds, the grace of God, where I'm declared innocent as if I've never committed a sin in my entire life, even though I remember doing it five minutes ago. Unbelievable. So, I believe, doesn't mean it's true, but I believe God preferred Paul to sin and learn grace rather than take the thorn away and God and, and Paul not sin, but not learn grace. Incredible. I'm not saying that's true, but that's the question I'm leaving you with. Would God prefer you to learn grace over almost anything else, including he would rather you learn grace than to not sin. Think about it. Thank you so very much. God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of the day.